Welcome to Negotiating Happiness, the show that helps you find happiness, success, and balance in your work and life. I'm Adriana Fierster, your host for this journey into entrepreneurship and personal growth. We're broadcasting live on 107.7 and 105.3 FM in New Orleans as part of the United Public Radio Network. We explore the latest strategies, insights, and stories from successful entrepreneurs and experts. From managing stress to building a thriving business, we've got you covered. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to Negotiating Happiness. It is October 23rd, 2023, and we are broadcasting live on the United Public Radio Network and UFO Paranormal Radio Network on 105.3 and 107.7 FM in New Orleans. And if you want to sit back and relax and watch some UPRN shows, uh, we are definitely on Roku TV as well. So just... uh, Give us a quick search in the search bar and you will find some of our shows there. So welcome, um, everybody. Sal in. We're about to talk some small business. Um, some people might think it's exciting. Some people might think it's boring, but it kind of fits in with um, my CEO days that I take on Monday. So I thought I would go over kind of a checklist type of situation where um, we get to kind of go over what you need to do for different areas of your business. Um, I know that it's really um, inspirational when we come up with a business idea and it might be a really great idea, really good product or really good service and it might be in demand. So we tend to grow really fast and we uh, don't have time to kind of do the, the building before we grow. So sometimes you kind of have to press the pause button and go back and, um, and pretty much say, hey, do I have all of these things, um, you know, done properly? Do I need to go back and, and invest some time or money into some of the parts that could come in handy later? So um, let's um, let's just uh, settle in and look at some of our statistics, which if anybody knows me, you know that I love statistics um, because they tend to paint a picture. And um, recently I I even said that it's just data makes the world go round, not money. Money is just a byproduct of the data. So if you understand the data, then you probably understand how to get to the money as well. Um, I think it works very well for, for businesses to, to strategize before they decide to put in more time and money into their, um, production. So let's start her off with some wonderful statistics uh, that I was able to gather. And again, we're going to go over uh, US and Canadian statistics because we're, um, we love that we're on the airways for our American friends, but we also uh, talk with a lot of our Canadian friends in, um, in, uh, during our shows here as our guests. So um, I love it. I love the fact that we have that kind of friendship going on. (laughs) So um, I guess let's go back to to basics. So you can either have a small business as a sole proprietorship, partnership, or maybe an LLC, like a limited liability company, or uh, different types of corporations, right, in the United States. In Canada, you can have them as sole proprietorships, corporations, public and private, and cooperatives. Um, You could have partnerships as well, yeah. Um, But a lot of the times, a lot of the small, small business owners are sole proprietorships before they get to incorporate for many different reasons. And I mean, there are pros and cons to both of those um, structures, but we can cover that some other time there. Um, what we're looking at is after the 2020, you know, um, world economy, we've seen an uptick in small businesses and a lot of them were online. So I think this is a really great time to kind of sit down and study and see what's, what's kind of going on, you know, across the globe, what kind of markets can you tap into and, um, you know, how did this shift happen and how can you benefit from it, right? Because while, yes, it was a terrible time in our world and our economy and for our, you know, social 
interaction uh, or just wellness in general. Um, it was very good for other things such as online businesses. That's why you saw how Amazon just had huge, huge boom um, because it was convenient and it, the demand was there. So sorry, guys, I'm struggling to talk today because I'm a little bit sick. So just bear with me here. I say a little bit, but I was very sick. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm hoping to get over it very soon. Um, <clears throat> in about 2021, there were approximately 32.5 million small businesses in the States. Um, and they accounted for 99% of all U.S. businesses. That is huge because it means that they also employ about half of the total workforce. So it, it's amazing how important small businesses are to the economy. In Canada, there are about 1.2 million employer businesses, which they account for about roughly the same, 98% um, of, <clears throat> of businesses. And they're actually responsible for employing roughly almost 70% of the private sector labor force. This is even even more significant. So we, I, think, I don't think we realize as small business owners how beneficial we are to not just the economy, but, you know, your community. You're probably employing and supporting your community, your, you know, um, your neighbor down the street or now because we're working globally, maybe it's your neighbor in, you know, three cities over or three states over, three provinces over. Um, so it's huge. It is definitely huge. So every single time I talk to somebody and they're like, oh, I'm thinking of, you know, opening this kind of a business. And then they kind of talk themselves out of it because they don't think it's valuable enough or they don't think it's, um, you know, going to be successful right off the bat. I have to remind them how important small businesses are to our um, society, to our communities, to our not just economy. So please keep at it, friends. We can do this together. And this is why I'm going to go over a checklist of things that we can do to stay organized and to thrive, to make sure that our back-end operations are, you know, um, lining up with what we want to do with the actual growth and scaling of our business. It's not just about money. It's about running it properly. And we're going for longevity here. We're not just going for a big boom or, um, as you would say, I guess, in music, a one-hit wonder. So here, uh, here we go. And obviously, over, you know, the pandemic, we've seen a notable increase in the number of online small businesses and they typically tend to be a retail or digital service providers. Um, I see it a lot with the business owners that I work with. A, lo a lot of them are service providers and they range from, you know, um, they work on their own. So they're solopreneurs to they have, you know, they have an assistant or they have an employee to they have 10 or 15. It doesn't, it doesn't really matter. Everybody's structure is a little bit different, but they are thriving. And um, my goal is to kind of make it even better or maybe even learn from some of them and pass on that knowledge. So here we here we are trying to figure out, you know, kind of what works in today's market and what doesn't. Um, There's a lot of e-commerce sales, too, that kind of boomed uh, in Canada and they're still growing um, and they've played a significant role in, in the growth overall, even in, you know, businesses that have been around for a really long time and they never had a website. All of a sudden they were forced to create something because everybody was doing, um, you know, uh, porch pickups and, you know, curb curbside pickups from stores and, you know, kind of no contact. So that kind of pushed a lot of people to go into, um, into the online digital space. And that also created a lot of work for people like me who help businesses get there. Excuse me, guys, I am still deathly ill, apparently. So uh, another thing that I guess what happened was 
a lot of the smaller businesses leveraged um, through some of the bigger marketplaces like Amazon and eBay because they reach a much broader audience. So you see a lot of, um, you know, uh, third-party sellers. I see it on walmart.com a lot as well where you get third-party sellers that put their products on there. I don't find the Walmart marketplace to be all that reliable sometimes, but I mean, Amazon is a favorite and I've only ever dealt a handful of times with eBay, but I, I have a lot of people who, I, I know a lot of people who, who do use eBay. So there were a lot of small businesses who kind of were able to reach that giant audience through those kinds of marketplaces, which was amazing. Whereas before you had to be really specialized. That's how you would find people not as much eBay because eBay, there was a lot of people doing um, kind of like, you know, uh, seller to seller um, kind of uh, business. But with Amazon, now every you see all these videos on uh, how um, how to become an Amazon seller or how to publish your own books through Amazon or how to um, figure out what kind of products you can source in order to sell them on Amazon. So there is definitely a lot of traction there um, for these small business owners. Um, another thing that we saw an, a huge growth in was technology and digital tools. I think over the last three years, we we went from, you know, everybody kind of knew what a CRM was and how to utilize it kind of, <laughs> um, to now everybody's using AI and there's still kind of this debate on should we use AI? AI is going to take over our jobs or not. It's obviously still a work in progress, but it, it's seen such a huge boom that now that we've uncovered how to work with a handful of these AI tools, they're just thousands popping up um, over the last year. I can't even keep up with how many and I've tried to make resources. I've tried to make, um, you know, these kind of lists of how many tools I could, you know, actually realistically use for a small business like like my, my own or my clients in the service industry. And it's just wild. You cannot keep up with the amount of tools that are out there. So if you're struggling with something and you know that there has to be, I mean, not know, but you, you would imagine that there has to be another way of doing it. There probably is. You just have to find the right AI tool. <laughs> another thing that kind of boomed over the pandemic was the cross-border e-commerce, because again, a lot of people were forced into the digital space. They were forced to create a website. They were forced to um, be out there. And um, there, obviously their markets would have crossed borders. It happens really easily here in Canada, Canada, the US. Um, I'm sure it happens really easily in Europe as well, where everything is just so close together. And you could go, you know, from one country to the other <laughs> in a matter of minutes. Sometimes if you're on the border, that it's not that far-fetched to think that, you know, your markets would expand uh, past the borders. So what, what do you do in all this case when you experience this growth is you backtrack. You backtrack and you look at all of the things that you need to have in place in order to make sure that your business continues to grow. You don't want it to stagnate after such a wonderful, you know, burst of growth. So how do we do that? We talk about various things so that we're going to go through a kind of a checklist or a check-in for things that will cover anything from contracts to insurance, to marketing, to do you use a CRM to bookkeeping and how to go about it to a website to how to use and leverage social media to what is the standard operating procedure and why do you need one um, to the client experience? And what about a team and um, team efficiency, how to keep, you know, your costs down and still be able to do all of these things. That's what my goal is for today is to kind of take you through a general, general overview. Now that we've, sort of gone over all the statistics and not all of them, but some of the statistics to understand how important small businesses are and how quickly they can pop up, but just as quickly disappear. We don't want to do that. We're going for longe longevity here. So let's talk about a really um, simple subject that is often the first thing that, you know, is overlooked kind of goes hand in hand with the second subject as well. But the first one would be contracts and policies. Now, if you're not 
sure how you can have a contractor policy. So let's say if you are a product-based business, you definitely need contracts if you have vendors, right? That's kind of a no-brainer. Um, the people that usually write the contracts have the most control, right? So it is good to be informed. Don't just blindly sign away. If you are a service-based business like I am, you definitely need contracts because they protect both yourself and your client in the event of a conflict or in the event where you're not on the same page, the contract should be able to, um, you know, dictate what happens or what the expectation is. So for a good contract, I always say you have to go to, to see a lawyer. I know that in the digital space, um, there are communities that will share contracts. So if you um, haven't sort of joined a community already for your own type of business or your own industry, I highly suggest that you do. In Ontario here, we have quite a few groups on Facebook or networking groups um, that are available for people. And there are some very helpful people out there. If you have something specific that you want to include in your contracts, definitely have somebody look at them, um, somebody that has legal knowledge, like a lawyer, um, to draft you something. And while it is uh, an upfront expense that is not usually cheap or, um, you know, it's something that will save you in the future, right? We're talking about liability. We're talking about, you know, chasing after funds. We're talking about maybe uh, policies that will help you save time or kind of get, you know, recognize red flags in clients. It does happen where you have to fire clients as well. So this is why contracts are very, very important, especially, or if you have subcontractors, if you have people that do other things for you, you want to have the promise and you want to build that reputation that you do things correctly so that your clients trust you so that your clients don't think that, you know, you kind of let anybody handle their business. And that's simply not true. So when that happens, you say, I've got contracts with my subcontractors. They've signed, you know, NDAs or they've signed um, to acknowledge that they will have, you know, legal repercussions if they end up stealing information or, you know, proprietary information, for example. Um, if you don't want to go to a lawyer, um, something that's a little bit um, cheaper, I guess, it's not as effective or as strong as a, a contract that's drafted by a professional, you definitely could go to places like lawdepot.ca where um, you can get contracts that are pertaining this is just one example. They pertain to Ontario law. So you, especially if you're um, in the service industry, you have the Ontario Consumer Protection Act, right? That's what most of the contracts would, would fall under um, if you're within that realm. Um, but even if not, a place like this that would be specific to your area would have um, contracts that you can definitely purchase as a template and kind of, you know, DIY it a little bit. It's not always advisable if you, if you're not really sure what's going on, it, but if it's better to have something rather than nothing. Uh, policies. Why would you have policies? And I know this is kind of like the boring stuff, but it will definitely save you from, um, you know, wasted time and, um, because when you don't have clear expectations um, somewhere that is public or when you don't notify your clients of clear expectations, you're going to get in trouble. You're going to find that not everybody has the same understanding of what means what as you do. So this is why policies are very, very important. And if you want to get some, um, again, you can find them on places like lawdepot.ca. If you are an employer and you're looking for employee policies, I would suggest looking at something like, so again, if you don't have a lawyer that can draft this for you, if you don't have somebody on retainer, um, something is better than nothing. I would definitely go to something like HR downloads. That's a really good resource um, to where they even give you training for your employees, but they will definitely help with policies and the wording of things, if that is what you are still lacking in your operations. 
the next subject that I wanted to touch on would be your insurance and your business license. And I feel like a lot of people are very on top of their business license, especially when they decide that that's what they want to do with you know, um, to open up a business, they, they know that's the first step. They usually go and get a business license. So here's a tidbit in Ontario, you can operate as your own name because you can be identified as that, um, without a business license if you're a sole proprietor. So if you have, if you're a sole proprietor, so you have that kind of type of, um, structure and you operate under your own name, not a made up name, not a business name, then you don't need a business license. But if you, and you don't, and if you, let's say you have to collect taxes for the government, like HSD, like you would in Canada, you don't need a business license to do that. You can separate, you can open up a separate account through the CRA, the Canada revenue agency to do that anyway. So you don't need a business license for that. Um, but however, I'll give you an example I operate as Ontario assistant. It is a name. So I had to get a business license in order to be identified as that. That's when you get a business number. Um, and it's funny. Sometimes you think you can, um, you can um, operate with a, uh, a different name and you can just change it. And a lot of the times, depending on your area, you can't, you have to basically abandon the process and do it again in a different one. We've got some guests over here. Hello, Maddie from, I guess, Texas. <laughs> hey, Maddie, thanks so much for tuning in here. Um, if you have any questions, please let me know. Maddie or Madeline. <laughs> Um, yeah, guys, so I, I keep forgetting to let you know, if you have any questions, please send them here or, um, leave them if you're doing a, a replay and we'll try and get to them and answer all of them. Thanks so much for tuning in, Maddie. I really appreciate it. So insurance and business license. So insurance, especially when you're in the digital space, you have to be a little bit careful. I would suggest going to an insurance broker because they know what type of insurance you're going to need for your business. Like I don't need insurance to work, um, you know, on site somewhere because I, I typically don't, but I do need general liability insurance because anything could happen. So general liability just means exactly that is general liability. If anything happens, maybe it's with social media, maybe it's with, you know, um, we lose data because there's some sort of crash. It is a general issue um, and we want to be protected against it. Sometimes you can find them, the, you know, some insurance that is pretty reasonable. Uh, I'm not sure what they're, what they're like in the States, but in Canada, I think what the most cost effective option that I found was $500 a year. And I know that that's not typically that, reasonable but I mean there are places that do offer them especially if you work very simply you know from home you have a contract they do take that into account you know if you have kind of these safety nets in place insurance will take that one you know the underwriters will typically ask you for that so I definitely recommend that and I recommend that you do it sooner rather than later and obviously, in FYI, when you're running events, you typically need extra insurance if the scope has slightly changed. And you can get insurance for a limited period of time. So if you have, let's say, general liability for the whole, you know, your entirety of your business, so it's continuous, it's consistent, um, and then you're running an event and you're kind of, you know, it's kind of in the realm, but you're running it through this company, you still, you should probably, if you're asking people to go somewhere or to, you know, participate in anything, you definitely should get insurance in order to avoid having to be stuck in the middle. Even if you're going to a venue that is already insured. So let's say you're running it somewhere like a, a conference or you know, a hall or something, they typically have insurance, but I didn't claim. 
it is nobody's safe. So it's definitely better to have insurance, even if it is for a two day event, you can, you can do that. Definitely um, ask your insurance broker. If you are in Ontario, um, I'm sure I have contacts. So just let me know if you need kind of a, a start of, you know, somebody to talk to, to see what would be best for your insurance. And again, that's why, you know, joining these groups and joining networking, um, events or groups is very helpful because people will know other people and you're going to be able to ask some of these questions without, um, you know, feeling weird about it because there are a lot of people that are typically in the same shoes that you are. And let's see here. We've got marketing. <laughs> Marketing's next on the list. So in marketing, it's either really easy to get lost in the budget or it's not easy at all and it's not something that you really have to do and typically when small businesses start and they experience this huge organic growth they don't necessarily do a lot of marketing um, because they don't need to but that doesn't mean that you know the the flow won't tap out so you always have to be prepared to have some sort of marketing in place or marketing strategy I've done both where I've kind of just put out there whatever sticks and where we have a strategy and typically a strategy works a lot better and it can um, save you time and money, not just money, but time, right? It's very time consuming to, to try and always do the max of let's just see what hits the wall and see what sticks. So try not to do that. Try to set a budget and work within that budget. Now, if you were to ask me what the best marketing thing would be for your small business, it would be to have a website. And it's not just because it's your digital business card these days, because let's be honest, I think we all, you know, ordered business cards. And I think I've given 10 of them in total in the last three years. <laughs> um, it's not, it's not just that it's almost like a portfolio or an understanding of how you want to portray yourself to people and what kind of, um, you know, what kind of clients you want to attract it's it's just kind it's almost like a I hate to say this but it's like a business dating profile right uh, clients get to look you over they see what you're about what you can offer and then they either move along or they send you a message so it is it's almost it's almost like a business dating profile and you know what it's okay if you have stuff on your website that not everybody agrees with it's okay your goal is to attract ideal clients because if they're not ideal they're most likely going to um you know cause you more headaches than anything so just just keep in mind that a website is probably the best thing that you can invest in um, and that's how you can you know direct your future marketing to it obviously social media is a really powerful marketing tool if used properly. So this subject is kind of together, like the marketing and social media. Um, my advice would be, you know, if you wanted to do it really cost effective, social media is definitely one of the ways of doing it. While you can run ads, you can just do it in a way that you don't have to, um, at least for the times where you don't particularly need marketing. But again, I, I think you always need marketing. It just depends on how amped up it is. So even if I'm full, right, like if all of my bookings are full for the next three months, it doesn't mean that you stop posting and it doesn't mean that you stop letting people know what your services are. So you always kind of have to have that in the back of your head. But with social media, I wouldn't overextend myself either because I've been there and it's tiring. So you kind of have to know where your industry lives. Like if you're a photographer, if you don't have Instagram and Pinterest, it's weird because that's where most creative services go and live. And that's where people know that they go and live. So that's where they'll look. Um, or even, you know, TikTok sometimes it's such a visually um, inclined platform. Not to say that Twitter isn't or Facebook, but your demographics are definitely very different, right? Facebook was around when I was in high school. There's a lot of people of all ages back then that were, you know, joining Facebook and they still all are on Facebook. So the demographics have changed quite a bit 
over the last like 10, 15 years. So who is your typical client? That's kind of, you know, the work that you have to do now that you've had, a, you know, some growth, you should be able to identify, you know, make them, it's a, think of them as an imaginary person and describe them down to what clothes they wear, what they do on their free time. You know, it's not just about how much money do they have and what do they spend? You have to kind of understand them as a person. And that's how you can then change your voice in your marketing and your social media in order to fit that. So create your ideal person who is your ideal client and then speak to that person on social media. And even if you don't get a ton of followers, it does not matter. It does not matter if you don't have a ton of followers because followers don't automatically equal sales or engagement right? We all know this by now. Just because you have a ton of followers, it doesn't mean that. It just, uh, there's a reason why all of these, you know, influencers that do some crazy things online have a ton of followers is because a lot of people want to watch them. Whether it is, you know, <laughs> good old entertainment or something that's really outrageous, it doesn't matter. They just want to watch them. They're either a train wreck or they're not. So it does not matter for your business that you don't have a ton of those followers. What you do want is you want to continue to attract your ideal client. So even if you get, you know, four followers a month, those are four followers that are most likely going to be aligned with what your ideal client is or who your ideal client is, I should say. So it's okay. So this whole marketing thing, having a website and having, you know, consistent social media will will help you build your brand and will help you, um, you know, seek out the market. So if your industry lives pretty much on Facebook and that demographic, then that's okay. And sometimes that kind of goes hand in hand with LinkedIn as well. While your tone may change how you talk to your ideal client, your ideal client can have a job, but then it can also be casual on Facebook, right? So it just depends. Um, TikTok is really good for a younger demographic as well. Um, a lot of, I mean, I'm sure you guys have seen all the videos now about how we you know what TikTok made me buy. So a lot of really trendy products are advertised on TikTok. So a lot of people that deal with Amazon and, you know, um, Etsy stores maybe, or, uh, Instagram stores will also advertise on TikTok at the same time because it makes sense depending on what your product is and what your demographic is. Uh, I feel like a lot of millennials are on Instagram because that was kind of the second most popular thing or third maybe after Twitter. Um, I'm not a particularly a big Twitter user, but I used to be. And I find that a lot of people that are in service-based businesses are, or I, I guess a lot of um, government and organizations use Twitter as well because they're very short bursts of content. But I have seen, um, you know, some really robust accounts that use videos and graphics and whatnot and links and they use Twitter to the fullest. So it, again, it just depends on who you're looking for. Is your ideal client hanging out on Twitter Mine, maybe not. For me, it's a lot of more of Instagram or uh, sometimes Facebook, but not a whole lot for me. My website has been probably my best lead generator. Um, and maybe that maybe that works, maybe that doesn't, right? I have other people that are in the digital space that uh, are, for example, social media managers where their best lead generator was Instagram right? Or maybe Facebook or, um, or TikTok. So again, it just depends on how clear you are on who your ideal client is. So we're about halfway here, guys. And I just wanted to say for anybody that's just tuning in, you're listening to Negotiating Happiness. And I'm your host, Adriana. And uh, today I'm just representing Ontario Assistant, which is my own business. Uh, and we are uh, live on United Public Radio Network and UFO Paranormal Radio Network at 105.3 and 107.7 FM in New Orleans. And we are streaming across all platforms. Um, and we seem to be uh, doing really well on SoundCloud. So if you want to just drive and listen to some of our episodes, check out SoundCloud. 
um, or uh, maybe YouTube. Our YouTube channels are pretty popular sometimes as well. But if you just want to sit back and watch us on your TV, a lot of the shows on the network are on Roku TV as well. So uh, give us a quick search and see if uh, if that works better for you guys. Also, remember to like and subscribe. Um, we definitely want people to know of us. So please help us uh, be even more uh, out there. Or if you want to share or if you have any questions or comments or constructive criticism, I'm more than happy to hear from you guys. Um, I definitely want to make this a show that um, kind of resonates with people that know business owners or that are business owners or that are thinking of opening up their own business. I definitely want to be a resource for you guys. So I'm very, very much interested in knowing what you guys want to hear. So, so far we've gone through this kind of operations check-in. So if you're just tuning in halfway through, uh, we're talking about the areas of uh, your business and operations that maybe need a little bit more love now that you've done some spontaneous growth and you haven't had a chance to kind of build it out from the beginning. So we've talked about contracts and policies. We talked about insurance and business licenses, and we sort of ended at um, the halfway mark on um, marketing and social media and how to do it effectively. So before I close that one subject, there is one thing that I also wanted to mention the about ads. Um, ads these days are made pretty simple in terms of, you know, going from step A to C and having it launch. However, there are professionals out there that specialize in ads management or creation of ads that actually have strategies in place where that use all of the analytics and data to help you spend less per click per general uh, leads generated. So if you have the resources and you are thinking of, you know, pushing another growth spurt, so to speak, definitely check out some of the professionals. Um, personally, I've had really good luck with special ads campaigns uh, in the past through Google, while the, you know, um, the traffic is, I call it lukewarm. It's not cold traffic because you have to have somebody searching for some sort of a problem. So they are problem aware uh, or solution aware, I guess. They're looking for a particular solution or maybe are looking for a particular individual. They will look at your ad as well. So they know that the problem exists. Whereas with social media, I find that sometimes people just kind of stumble upon things. So if you're doing Instagram ads or Facebook ads, um, you have to have some sort of strategy in order for it to work because you want, you know, somebody that knows how the algorithm works because it could be cold traffic. So you might actually end up paying for clicks that are for people that don't even know that they have a problem yet. Maybe you're educating them about that problem, but that's more of like a long-term relationship situation uh, where they want to like follow your content. But if you're trying to sell something or a service, it's, it's difficult. Again, guys, sorry, bear with me. I'm just getting over this sickness and it is still still killing me. <laughs> so on we go, where we talk about the part where we think about how do we run our business in terms of the client experience and a CRM. So typically, people will have CRMs and they will use them for maybe one or two specific tasks and then kind of forget that they exist after that. Uh, you know, CRMs are very complex programs that can offer you a lot more solutions that you're probably using them for. And that's typically what my experience has been with clients is that they don't really even know how powerful their CRM can be and they don't really know how to improve the client experience with them. So um, it is literally all about you know, managing the relationship of the client. That's what CRM means, right? Client relationship manager. So you want to make it easy for people to buy from you. And I've said this many, many times. So if it's really complicated or if it requires a lot of back and forth before they even, 
you know, have the opportunity to say yes and pay you for something, whether it's a service or a product, it's not going to be successful enough to ever grow and scale because you're still spending all of your time doing the in-betweens. And while this might seem like a very, you know, common sense type of situation, a lot of people get bogged down in actually making those sales that they don't realize how much time they could be saving by having a CRM in place. Bear with me, guys. I'm having a cough attack over here. So if your CRM allows for you to have workflows, even if you don't think that your services can be standardized, I promise you they can be. I was that person where at the beginning of running my business, I thought that I just did so many different things that I did not... Um, I did not have the opportunity to standardize my services. And that's just simply not true. You can do very different things, but your services, in order to streamline them, you have to simplify them and you have to know what you're good at in order for people to want to pay you money to do it. So if you think that you can't automate parts of your services, then you're going to have a really hard time finding the extra time to do it. So unless you have all of the resources possible, then you're you're not going to be able to take on more and more unless you have some help. So you're either paying for an assistant or paying for a subcontractor, but you're also still kind of, you know, you're in the grind and you're trying to get it all figured out when in reality, you don't really have the system in place to be able to help you with the client experience. So again, the easier you make it for the client, the the easier it's going to be for you to make the sale and go on to your next one. So, <clears throat> excuse me, if you're, you know, keeping track in an Excel sheet, that's great and you can manipulate it fairly well, but that's not going to help you with workflows and getting things done automatically or sending confirmation emails or sending feedback emails or sending reminders or even chasing people for your invoices, right? You need a CRM. You need a platform that will help you. The one that I use is Dubsado. There's so many out there. Uh, there's HoneyBook. There's HubSpot I've used. There's, there's just so many. Some people use Asana. Some people use Trello. Some of them are not quite full-on CRMs. They're more like project management tools. You need something is what I'm trying to get at here. If you're not watching us and you're just listening and you just hear me just mute myself every so often, it's because um, I'm dying coughing. Those who are watching are able to see me struggle on screen. It's not very attractive, but sorry, guys. <laughs> so that's we've just concluded a CRM portion in the client experience. The client experience, though, I just want to say one more thing about it is when you decide to um, attract your clients in, you have a strategy there right? Do your leads, then they become clients. But once they become clients, I find that a lot of businesses just tend to forget about it because they're clients. They think that it's over. It's not over, right? You want to make sure that you're improving the process. So do you have automatic updates? Do you have automatic reminders for payments? Do you have automatic calendar um, reminders or tasks that they might also find, you know, super helpful? Do you make their lives easier or do you just add to the list of them for them to work on, right? Like, are you somebody who your service requires a lot of information back and forth? If that's the case, then do you have the proper forms in place to make it easier for data collection? Do you have the processes in place to be able to work with their staff if it's a lot of data from different departments? So what I'm trying to kind of get at, like the, the client experience is everything because they either become, either they stop the relationship with you or they finish it and then they never come back, right? Or they have a great relationship with you. They've already worked with you and they've realized like how much better you make their lives with your services that they will come back to you or they will refer their friends, right? So that's what we want. We want referrals because referrals, they mean less money on marketing and less headaches because the work just keeps coming. Best kind of marketing, right? Referrals. 
excuse me. So where, where are you at in this process? And once you've worked with somebody, how do you collect your feedback, right? Like that's part of the client experience workflow. You should have the feedback. You should have promo reminders. You should have, hey, did you know that we're changing X, Y, Z in our company? Are you interested? Or, hey, as past clients, do you have, do you want to do an X, Y, Z on a discounted rate or a beta rate? Or, um, you know, we're, we're testing this out. Do you want to be a guinea pig for free? Just those types of things just help improve the relationship and they know that you're thinking about them and you're appreciating them and please come back and work with me, right? That's the whole idea here. The other thing we should probably touch on is bookkeeping um, because all of these different numbers, whether it's an expense or income, it you know needs to be tracked. If I, I, I kind of give this advice to uh, business owners right off the bat, if you do have a little bit of, you know, monetary resources and you want to save yourself really big headaches is hire a bookkeeper because they will be the person who organizes probably the most important part of your operations. So like the behind the scenes um, when you're first starting out, mainly because they'll know the tax laws and they'll know what to collect and they'll they'll keep everything in check and in order. Trust me, it is very hard to try to remit taxes or, you know, um, HSD collection or whatever it may be to the government when you can't even find your gas receipts. So <clears throat> you definitely want to have a bookkeeper. And sometimes they're, they're fairly reasonable. And especially if you're only you know, putting in a couple of transactions a month, they, they typically tend to charge hourly or they could charge as a package per month. Sorry, guys, I am dying over here. So um, what I would say is don't cheap out on your bookkeepers because... <laughs> They could create a lot more work for you after. That's one thing I would say. If you, you can, I mean, you can check out agencies where they have, you know, a bunch of bookkeepers on staff. Those are pretty competitive rates. Or you can just go with a sole practitioner bookkeeper where you'll get that client relationship that you want, which is, you know, the messaging, the answering pretty quickly, the, you know, direct, you know, person to person uh, interaction. That is what, if that is what you want, I would definitely go with a bookkeeper that works for themselves. So that's my, probably my best tip here, which seems pretty obvious, but a lot of people choose to skip it. Don't skip it. <laughs> this is definitely very important. Um, the other, um, uh, category here that we were talking about was a website. And I know I touched simple, uh, a bit of, a bit on a website on, um, when we talked at first about marketing, about how I use it as it's not just your, you know, digital um, business card. It is also kind of your portfolio and your business dating profile is what I called it because people just look at it and say, oh, I definitely don't agree with, you know, how you view this or how you view that. So then they move along or they say, yes, thank you. You understand my vibe. I want to work with you because at the end of the day, people buy from you. Right. Um, I definitely think that for um, a website, even if it's informational, you should have at least four pages, right? A home, an about section, a service section, a contact, or even I know that sometimes people try to avoid putting in a blog section on there, but here's how it works. Once your website is done and, you know, you've got Google ranking it wherever it is, um, there are no changes. So if there's no changes, Google almost kind of forgets about it. So if there is no activity, there's nothing to update it on. Or if there are no um, specific keywords, right? This is a lot to do with SEO. Then Google doesn't know who to show it to. So the reason why people write blogs is because they get to use keywords and meta descriptions and alt text, right? Even on pictures. 
So I'll give you an example. If I'm Ontario assistant, which I am, right? Ontarioassistant.com. If I'm Ontario assistant and I am uh, now putting out a service that has to do with payment processors, I'm just giving an example. I'm not actually. If I write a blog about payment processors and why this or that needs to, you know, happen, or here's the best choice, or literally put in the keyword search or the alt text or the meta description, whatever, the best payment processor for small businesses in Ontario, somebody decides to search that and Google has that indexed and analyzed that it knows that, hey, I think they're looking exactly for this and then it connects them to my website, right? Whereas the rest of my website is very informational and it just says online business manager. They might not even know that they need an online business manager, right? So this is the purpose of blogs. It wants to make sure, Google wants to make sure that it connects you. And obviously there's other browsers as you know, uh, or other search engines as well, but Google is probably one of the most used ones in the world, but it, it kind of works the same, right? Where they want to make sure that they match them with the correct information. And there's a reason why they're probably one of the best in the world because they're easy to use and because they kind of know what they're doing. And if you are just setting it up on your own, you can definitely DIY it. Open yourself a Google Analytics account with Google. It is free. And install this little Google Analytics tag. And what I mean by tag, it's like a little serial number. And there are um, instructions on how to do them, you know, uh, on online. They're free. This little serial number gets tracked in by Google and is able to give you data or analytics so you can see who actually visits your website. It's really important. We'll give you a real-time example. My website at one point was getting a lot of um, hits from Turkey. And while that's great, and I welcome everybody around the world that, you know, um, wants to come on, it wasn't conducive for the ads that I was running or for the landing page that I had because I didn't want to work with anybody from Turkey because I can't speak Turkish. I'm just giving you an example, right? Excuse me. I'm having like a cough attack over here. But what I was, so what I was doing is I was able to tell it geographically where I wanted to kind of focus its, uh, it's energy, right? So for me, it was a lot of, um, I don't know, maybe English speaking, or I guess I could speak Romanian as well, right? So kind of gear it towards the languages that I could speak in so that we could have a good client relationship and maybe turn it into a business um, interaction, right? Or um, people that were searching certain types of keywords that didn't make sense. So for me, it was like, how to become a virtual assistant. That's not relevant to me because at the time I was one, but what I wanted was people that were looking for a virtual assistant to work with. Right. So there are these different things that people don't think about when they search. You have to be very specific. And with the Google analytics tag, you're able to kind of gather some demographics. So since then, I've always known that a lot of my, my traffic, including on my social media was female between like 25 and 60 and, um, you know, that's, I guess that was just the market that I was speaking to. So this is who resonated with my information. That's who visited my profile. And that's the other thing. I plastered my website on every single, you know, social media channel that I had or posts on, on Facebook marketplace or, you know, on and on and on and on. You just kind of be your own promoter. So that's, that's kind of another really important reason why you should have a website and why you should use Google Analytics because it does help you understand wh where your where your target might be. Um, now, before we go, we only have a couple of minutes left here. The only thing that we haven't talked about is um, a standard operating procedures. So the reason why we want standard operating procedures in our business is because now that you've grown and you need help and you have automated everything that you can and you are doing your part as a business owner and operator maybe now you just want to be a business owner so you need to hire a team and you need to hire people to be able to work with your process and with your services this is why standard operating procedures they serve as you know we're going to treat everybody the same we're going to provide the same great service so it's not only 
you know, uh, quality control, it's also training. So whenever you do have a team, everybody's learning from the same exact piece of material. And if somebody leaves, it is what it is, it happens. The next person that comes in, again, they're getting the same training. There's no like mystery of, oh no, what did the other person do for me as an employee? I don't even know. You do know because you've put these processes in place. You've mapped out your entire business because if you run your business out of your head, you're not being very efficient with your business. Because at some point, you need to take a vacation. At some point, you need to be able to walk away from the business because the business can't be running you. You should be running it. So obviously, this is super common sense. You want to like make money in your sleep. You can't do that if you're always running the business, right? So that's probably one of the things that gets missed the most. I work with a lot of clients don't have any standard operating procedures and they have to start from scratch. Even very, they're all very successful clients, but that's because they've been going, 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 going until they no longer can. And now they're kind of pumping the brakes to say, no, I definitely need some standard operating procedures. I definitely need to have other people work for me. So it's a great feeling to have that, you know, to know that you've generated so much work for yourself that you need other people to work for you. But it's a very scary feeling when you don't know how to verbalize what they need to do. Like sometimes I even need to sit here to think about the tasks that I can delegate, never mind actually go through it with them and explain it to them. So it is most definitely the most missed part of operations is standard operating procedures. And these, the things that we've talked about just now are not, you know, the only subjects or the only uh, parts of operations that you could enhance, but these are some of the things that you can do to, that are also cost-effective, right? And they're going to, standard operating procedures, for example, are going to be cost-effective pretty much forever. You will need to change it here and there, but it shows that you're not spending your time training and you're not paying somebody else to train them. And if there's turnover, it's okay. You've already got the materials to be able to move forward, right? So these we've talked what we've talked about today are things that you can continuously improve and you can continuously uh, kind of change the level. Maybe you're at you know a lower level depending on your resources and then the next time you're going to be hiring two more team members and you're going to be hiring somebody to make your website instead of DIYing it yourself. Like this checklist does isn't just for beginner you know, um, businesses. This could be for people who are rebranding. This could be for people who are growing. So then again, they need to reevaluate this. Unfortunately, in business, if you stagnate your growth in sales, you're also going, you know, you're, it's probably because you've stagnated everything else behind the scenes as well. So it's, uh, it's, um, you know, it, it's a machine with a lot of moving parts. So just because you've probably already done all of this doesn't mean that in a year or two, you're not going to need to do it again, or at least consider it or review it. Right. So um, I will be making this into a freebie that will be available on my socials, which is at uh, assistant.ontario on Instagram. Um, or you can find me on Facebook or YouTube or on SoundCloud if you want to hear the replays. Um, but I am probably most active on Instagram. Um, I'll also make it available on my website at ontarioassistant.com for you to download it. I just need to finesse a couple of the sections and I will also include some of the tools that I use. Uh, and just so you know, a lot of the tools that I promote always have a free account somewhere. You don't always need to upgrade or you don't always need to pay for it. Um, because, um, they are genuinely really great tools to that will help you in your business. So thank you so much to everybody who has been watching. I really hope that, um, you know, I've provided some useful information. And if you have any questions, please leave it in the comments and I will get to them. I really appreciate you guys and I will see you next week. Have a really great rest of your week.